This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby is on vacation this week. She will return on Monday. There are some harsh words being expressed by the director of critical care at Toronto's Michael Guerin Hospital over the handling of the COVID-19 second wave by Premier Doug Ford and his team. Dr. Michael Warner posted a video yesterday airing his complaints following the Premier's daily briefing. Take a listen. Hi, Dr. Michael Warner, IC physician. Today, I listened to the press conference by Premier Ford, Ministers Elliott and Fullerton, and Dr. David Williams. And I must say, I'm shocked and disappointed. I didn't hear anything about interventions that will be designed to reduce the risk of COVID-19 further spreading out of control in our province. Today, you can still go to a banquet hall and attend a wedding with 50 people. You can go to a casino. Activities that are clearly associated with spread of COVID-19 are still being allowed. I do not understand who's advising the Premier. We don't know who's sitting at this provincial command table. I don't know of any physicians other than Dr. David Williams and Dr. Yaffe who are actually providing advice. Most of the experts are on the sidelines screaming in the Twitter echo chamber, and we are all going to suffer because of this. It's time for people at that command table who do not feel that things are being done right to stand up and make their voices heard because we are heading and a very difficult path in Ontario, both from a healthcare perspective and economic perspective. Unless we have better leadership who is getting better advice, we will be in trouble. Thank you. Wow. That was Dr. Michael Warner at Michael Guerin Hospital, formerly uh, East York Civic Hospital, over the handling of the COVID-19 second wave, which has only really been declared, I guess it was declared last week by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and then on Monday by Premier Doug Ford. Do you agree with his comments? Are you concerned that the Premier and his ministers are not taking the second wave seriously enough and not implementing restrictions that might be needed? 416-360-0740, toll-free, one 866-744-740. Let's bring in France Jelena, healthcare critic for the Provincial New Democrats, as well as Dr. Ray Dianandon, epidemiologist at the University of Ottawa. Hello, both. Hello. Hello. France, what do you make of Dr. Warner's comments? Well, I would say this is something that I have heard from a long time. This is something that I have questioned the Minister of Health. My leader, Andrea Horvath, has questioned the Premier about the same thing. Who is sitting around a decision-making table? I mean, in the middle of a pandemic, transparency is key for people to have trust. And right now, because we don't know who is giving him advice, we don't know if uh, Premier Ford is following that advice, then the trust is eroded. And once you don't have trust, it's really hard to motivate people to follow directives that are not always very popular. And my leader, Andrea, asked again this morning, who sits at the decision-making table? 
they talked about how important it was to be transparent and how important it was to keep people's confidence and refused to tell us who sits at the table except for Dr. Williams, which we already know, and Dr. Yaffe. The uh, Dr. Williams is the Chief Medical Officer of Health. Dr. Yaffe is the Assistant Chief Medical Officer of Health. And Dr. Heyer, who was the coroner and now has a role to play. That's it. We don't know who sits around that table. Is it possible, Frost, that it is just the three individuals? No. Um, we've heard enough rumors <laughs> uh, about uh, other people giving advice. Uh, but never been able to verify that rumor. Uh, but we know that it's a bigger table than three. Understanding you're not speaking for the government, why would that information be withheld? I cannot uh, find a good reason to withdraw this information from the people of Ontario. There is no reasons to do this. I don't know why he is hiding who's giving him advice. Um, we don't know who they are. We don't know the advice that he receives. Um, we know a little bit about Dr. Williams, and we can often see uh, the disconnect between what Dr. Williams is saying and what the Premier is saying. We don't know who the other people are. We don't know what advice they're giving him. All we know is what comes out of the mouth of, uh, mouth of our Premier, and sometimes it's, it's pretty hard to believe that it's based on medical advice. In terms of being proactive or reactive, what sense do you get uh, that uh, Premier Doug Ford is embracing? What, what, what philosophy is he following? Is he reacting to what's happening and then implementing policy or implementing policy before we get to the stage that we need to react? He always is late and reacts and misses opportunities to protect Ontarian all the time. We've known about our problems in long-term care for a long time. We knew that we had 78,000 vulnerable people who needed protection. We knew how to protect the 1,867 people who died, but they did not do it. Uh, four hours of hands-on care, um, making PSW jobs good job, giving them a decent pay. We knew all of this. None of that has been done, and now the second wave is here, and they're and they're coming with, uh, you know, too little, too late, uh, giving a PSW a five thousand dollar bonus to come back to work, where she would still be part time, she would still be, not be able to make ends meet at seventeen bucks an hour for a twenty hour week, and uh, and you know the in answer to your question, always react react too late, too low, and always penny-pinching. If there's a penny to be saved here um, in the time of a pandemic, may not be the best time to do that when people's lives are at risk. Let's go to Dr. Ray Dianandon now, epidemiologist at the University of Ottawa. Dr. Ray, you heard Dr. Warner's complaints. What are your thoughts? My first thought is from a 2007 paper that I'm often citing that talked about the lessons we learned from the first SARS epidemic. And that paper landed on three lessons. And one of them was transparency is everything. And we've learned nothing from that epidemic, it seems, because transparency is important in terms of what we know from the science, what we don't know, what we're struggling with, and also who is making the decisions. 
So he's right. Uh, I would like to know who's making the decisions, who's advising the decision makers. It's nice to know that there are a few medical professionals there. I'd like to know there are some scientific professionals because that's not the same thing. And also, if he is being unduly influenced by industry uh, and whether economic concerns are having a greater weight than they should in making decisions that should be driven by science more so. So it is important um, in a liberal democracy like ours, I think it's important that all citizens and taxpayers know these details. Dr. Ray, who should be around that command table? Which individuals with which professions? I'm not sure which individuals, but the professions, obviously medical professionals, obviously mathematical and statistical professionals, because this is not just a medical issue. It's a, 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 a data-driven pandemic. Um, the, the economic concerns must be there as well, and also the, the industrial concerns. So what is possible to scale up? What is possible to, to change in terms of human behavior and workplace management and behaviors? So there's room for a diversity of people, but we need to know what what kind of viewpoints are there? Um, selfishly, I'd, of course, want to see epidemiologists present, and I'm not sure there are any. And, and if you were sitting at the table, how would your expertise help guide the premier? A little thing. The, David Williams said the other day that there's a 36% false positive rate, which is false. That's not true. That's a misunderstanding of statistics. So that kind of thing would have been mitigated earlier on. How we use testing capacity can be driven by different kinds of professions. A test is not a test is not a test. They have different roles to play in society. A new antigen test, for example, will be rolled out differently than the PCR test. So it takes a, a certain profession to have that insight, a laboratory scientist or a statistician. So there's a nuance in how we think about this pandemic. It's not just about what, um, you know, which businesses to close, which hospitals to surge. It's also which tests to buy. Which, um, which models to look at, what are the frailties of the models, and so forth. There's a, there's a lot that goes on here. We're reacting to a video, if you're just joining us, that Dr. Michael Warner posted online yesterday. He is the director of critical care at Toronto's Michael Guerin Hospital. He is... Uh, he is incensed, basically, that Premier Doug Ford is not handling the COVID-19 second wave the way he feels it should be handled. Uh, he's saying the fact that we can still go to a wedding with 50 people inside, go to a casino. There's something not right about that as the numbers are spiking today. Evidence of that as well. 625 cases, 288 of those in Toronto. Your reaction? Do you feel like the Premier is being properly advised? Do you feel like he has our best interests in mind in curbing the second wave of COVID-19. Let's go to Sharif in Mississauga. Hi, go ahead. Yeah, good morning. I mean, afternoon. Yes, what's on your mind? Yeah, I want to make a comment. You know, the young people, the way they behave about this virus, it's unbelievable. I feel sorry for hospital staff nurses, doctors, and Doug Ford. If the government don't step up something serious, God help us, all of us. And it's all problem. Party, party, party. Nail them that they can, their pocket fill what is the law, what is the system, and how to respect. 
All right, Sharif, thanks for your call. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. On the line with us, France Jelena, healthcare critic for the Provincial New Democrats and Dr. Ray Dianandan, epidemiologist at the University of Ottawa. Now, France, I'll go back to you. The modeling that's come out today, released by the Ontario government, projecting as many as a 1,000 cases a day by the middle of October. What does this mean for Ontario residents? And could Dr. Warner's concerns be addressed? Well, a thousand cases a day mean that we have failed at uh, making sure that we protect Ontarians for that, from that virus. A thousand cases a day means that the demand on our hospital system, on our healthcare system as a whole, uh, will increase exponentially. A thousand cases a day means failures, means that people uh, don't uh, trust the advice that comes from the government. Therefore, they don't follow this advice. Uh, Sharif from Mississauga, who just talked about uh, um, the government has to step up something serious, that uh, young people's behavior, uh, it, it shows failure. Um, public health um, has often asked people to do things that we don't want to do. Um, but if you uh, speak with one voice, if you show, here's what we know, here's why we're doing this, Here's the difference it will make. Here's what we don't know. And as long as we don't know this, we're taking the precautionary principle. People re- uh, respond to this. People have trust, and then it influences their behavior. But right now, a lot of people dismiss uh, what uh, Ms. the Premier Ford is saying. They're not following um, the guidance that comes from public health, and and we see the rise in cases that that just breaks my heart. Dr. Ray, uh, do you agree with France Jelena that there is a failure here when we get to, if we get to a thousand cases by the middle of October? Is this a failure on the part of the government or was this inevitable as we've been hearing for months about the second wave? A second resurgence was inevitable. Its size is not inevitable. And some things that government could do, and yes, we, you know, there's plenty of blame to go around, including blame for a certain demographic that's socializing more. But that demographic, young people, also are less able to physically distance because they live in crowded housing, for example. They're the ones more likely to have these frontline jobs serving you coffee, and they're going to be exposed more. So there are things that they cannot do to protect themselves and each other, even though they might want to. That's where government can step up and offer more support services for these more vulnerable workings, workers and demographics. So to the extent that that has not been done, yeah, that is a failure of government and therefore a failure of society because you're all part of this. What has been done well? I'm, I mean, we have to, we were hearing a lot of, there were a lot of harmonious comments about how Mayor John Tory and Premier Doug Ford and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau were all on the same message, uh, made us feel all good as Canadians that we, we had our marching orders, we knew we had to distance, wash our hands, mask, uh, stay within our bubble. Was was that done as well as it could be done? And, and what's changing now that it seems almost to be getting more political? 
Yeah, I'll take a shot at that first. Um, originally, I was actually quite pleased with the messaging coming from politicians. Um, Mr. Ford's rhetoric is very good. He, When he speaks, I'm filled with confidence and reassurance. Unfortunately, the actions often don't match the rhetoric. And the rhetoric comes after things have gotten bad. They're not proactive, as has been noticed. So other good things include, you know, um, being serious and projecting an air of seriousness. And, you know, for having responded eventually when the scientific class suggested things like uh, limiting bars and focusing on schools. But again, it comes with a handful of failures, like an inability to lower class sizes and this desire to open casinos, which is ill-advised. It's a mixed bag. Dr. Ray, if you were sitting around that command table, um, and I think a lot of us would feel good if you were doing so as a frequent contributor here on Fight Back, what would you be advising today on this day, Wednesday, September 30th? Number one, we have a problem with testing capacity. So the labs are backed up by several days. So we need to get the message across that not just anyone can get tested right now. That symptomatic people come first. And then number two, we have to invest in those new antigen tests to cover that overflow of unused testing capacity. So for reassurance testing, as we call it, maybe some surveillance testing. Number three, we have to take more seriously avoiding a second lockdown and, and keeping schools open if we can. We do that by closing the things that Dr. Warner talked about, the nightclubs, the bars, the casinos, the wedding halls. This disease, we know how it spreads. It likes explosive indoor gatherings with poor ventilation. And why are we giving it opportunities like that? It makes no sense. So we should take those things off the table first and see if that does the job of lowering the curve. And if that does, well, then we can probably ride this out without having to close down the economy further. But um, ultimately, you know, it's, uh, we're making decisions too late. We should be more proactive and a little more draconian, sadly. We, we want to avoid economic suffering, absolutely, which is why these approaches have to be targeted. Target to certain sectors and maybe target to certain geographies as well, hot zone regions. Franz Jalana, back to you for a moment. Today with Dr. Williams' briefing and um, Dr. Adelstein Brown, Adelstein Brown, sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly, they were talking about this modeling with the thousand cases a day. They also spoke to the surgeries, the scheduled surgeries, and the number of people in intensive care with COVID-19, and at what point that would mean that surgeries would need to be canceled. Uh, what are you hearing about that uh, in terms of, of whether we're going to return back to the spring when many elective surgeries were put on hold for months? Oh, I, there are ways to avoid that, to really look at our surgical capacity within the entire province and to really look at the priority surgeries that need to be done. Um, I hate when people say elective surgery. For a lot of people, it's not elective. Mm -hmm. You need a, um, a knee replacement so you can go back to work and you can earn a paycheck and you, this is not elective. You need that surgery, but but they're labeled like this, and uh, to uh, to shut it all down across the province um, is is not something we can go back to do. The backlog is now when it was last counted, it was one hundred twenty nine thousand surgeries and procedure. It's now around one hundred sixty thousand backlog. Plus, we have 
the cases that continues to go, and in many parts of the province, um, the overcrowding of our hospital is still there. The hospital in Sudbury, where I'm from, had to cancel all of their surgery the first week of September because the hospital was 104% capacity. They had no beds, and we had zero cases of COVID, zero in intensive care, zero in the hospital, but and yet they could not cope. Um, so the problems that we had before are still there. Um, the overcrowding in our hospital, the long wait list for surgeries, all of this has not been dealt with by the government. You add a pandemic and add a hundred and thirty some thousand thirty some thousand surgeries cancel and and there's a lot of people suffering. Those hundred and thirty thousand surgeries are a hundred and thirty thousand people waiting for for that surgery. So if uh, if Toronto, Ottawa um, hospital become very busy with uh, COVID patient, uh, let's look at outside of those centers, uh, can they continue to do surgery in a safe way um, so that the waiting list don't continue to grow longer and longer? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Are you pleased with how Premier Doug Ford is handling the second wave of COVID-19, which we've really only gotten into for the last few days based on our behavior from two weeks ago, because that's how long it takes to vet out? Do you feel confident that he is being advised by the right people? Concerns have been brought up by Dr. Michael Warner at uh, Michael Guerin Hospital here in Toronto, that he's not being advised properly. There isn't the transparency to know who's sitting around that table advising the premier. And does the premier really have our best interests at heart? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Murray in Malton, what do you think? Hi, Jane. How are you? I'm fine. What's uh, your opinion on what we're discussing? I I find uh, your panel here very politically uh, 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 motivated because I really don't see why they need to know who's uh, telling the premier what to do. I think he's doing a good job. We've never done this before. What do you like? What do you like about his approach? Well, he's more or less telling us and he's right that it's our problem. If we don't want to solve it, what's he going to do? He can't shut down the province again. Who's going to pay everybody? Right? He can't do that. Right? So it's up to us to uh, pull up our socks and do the right things. What do you make of that comment, France? Um, the, the comment that you, the New Democrats, are opposing what's going on simply because you're the opposition as opposed to working collaboratively to make sure that uh, as many people as possible don't get COVID-19. Well, I would say to, to uh, comment from Murray from Moulton that he is right that it is up to us. It's all of us together, all Ontarians together, that we will get through the other side of this uh, COVID pandemic. But to get us there, you need leadership. And in order for people to trust the leadership, it is a whole, we are all human beings. You have to factor in the human <laughs> side of all of us uh, that when we are asked to do something that we don't like, our first response is to say no, but we will 
uh, do things that we don't like, like wearing a mask, like washing our hands, like self-distancing, like a bubble of pen and all of this, if we trust the messenger, and in order for us to trust the messenger, you have to know where does this um, decision come from, who advised them, What's the um, body of evidence that support that decision? And the more of this becomes transparent, the more of this is up for everybody to see, to make their own minds, the easiest it becomes to, uh, for all of us to comply. Uh, so um, where I have difficulty is that when Premier Ford tells us that he takes his uh, advice from the advisory table, but yet he won't tell us who those people are, and he won't tell us what advice he has received. Well, Uh, if he won't tell us, uh, and I'm sure this question will come up during his briefing this afternoon, the question should be, why are you not telling us? I think that would be more interesting to find out why he's not divulging who else other than Dr. Yaffe and Dr. Williams are at his table. Well, uh, why are they not? Uh, when we ask that question in the Legislative Assembly, uh, they dismiss it and go on to say, oh, we've received a brief from the OMA. That's the Ontario Medical Association. I can guarantee you the Ontario Medical Association is not around that table. They would love to be. They are not. Have they written uh, a brief? Yes, they've written a brief because that's the only way they can be heard. Uh, Same thing with the Ontario Hospital Association. Same thing with many uh, basic players who can help us turn this pandemic around. We know that they're not at the table, but who is? We don't know. And when we ask, why won't you tell us? They say, oh, we are the most transparent uh, government. Anyway, they don't answer. (laughs) Franz, I know you have to go, and I really appreciate your time. I'll look forward to speaking with you again. Uh, My pleasure. Thank you. Franz Jalina, the NDP health critic at Queen's Park. Dr. Ray, just one more question before I let you go, if I could. In light of these new modeling numbers, uh, and we got a heads up about this on Monday as well from the scientists at U of T, UHN and Sunnybrook about this worst case scenario. They did, they are saying and cautioning it is a worst case scenario based on uh, what public health restrictions are put in place and based on our behavior. So in light of that, how should we adjust our behavior based on these climbing numbers? We should take it seriously. So when we say do not go to that house party, don't go to that house party. We say don't go to someone else's house for Thanksgiving dinner if you don't have to. Take that seriously. Every little bit helps to avoid that worst case scenario. Now, I think um, the modeling is a bit pessimistic, and I don't think it'll go as bad as the death rate they're projecting. I think it's possible we'll scrape up against that ICU capacity issue, but um, let's not do it, right? So Duffboard is right to the extent that this is in our hands, and if the government is not going to put the limits on our behavior that maybe they should, we have it in our power to put the limits on ourselves. So let's, let's do that. Be heroes, as you've said in the past, right? That is right. Yes, be heroic. Thank you so much for your time once again. Thank you. Dr. Ray Dianandan, Dr. Ray Dianandan, epidemiologist at the University of Ottawa. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.